You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're in the sixth Mishnah of the Tractate of Shukalim. And we're still in the middle of temple administration. But we're entering an era of, let's say, less formality. So we've gone through the receipts and the um, the accounting and the double entry bookkeeping and the verification that everything is completely clean. And now we're going to learn about two other chambers, the chamber of secrets and the chamber of vessels. And here we begin to leave the formality, the accounting, the calculation of the right offerings. We're yet more into the human day-to-day issues involved in running a real uh, a real community, a real community with poor people. And it's very interesting that the Mishnah begins, There were two chambers in the temple. We know that there were many, many more than two chambers in the temple. And in fact, these upcoming Mishnayot will mention some of these other chambers. I mean, for example, there was the storehouse chamber where they would collect all of the half shekels. So there, there were many, many more than two chambers in the temple. But somehow the Mishnah seems to be focusing on these two as if these were the only two. There were two chambers in the temple. One was called the Chamber of Hashaim. That's the Chamber of Secrets. The other was the Lishkat Hakelim, the Chamber of Vessels. Why do we need a Chamber of Secrets? Lishkat Hashaim the chamber of secrets well sin fearing people used to put their gifts in there in secret the poor who were of good families so this sounds like I mean this is socially inclusive of the poor but it's socially inclusive to a certain extent the poor of good families they would support themselves from it in secret. So this is like a secret tzedakah fund. Nobody knows. I, I, I mean, the, the Rambam comments, I, I brought you the Rambam below, just because I, because he's so important, really. He says, Chashai means secret or hidden. The whole issue is clear. It doesn't require any explanation, but of course the Rambam has already explained it in his halachot on the um, the laws of charity. And we know that the highest form of charity is when nobody knows who's giving and no one knows who's taking. That's the highest form of charity in terms of the Rambam. And, and that's exactly what we have here. That's exactly what we're modeling here. Here's a cha- Here's a a fund in which no one knows who's putting in and no one seems to know who's coming out, who's taking out. But it, it's all anonymous. But the aniim b'nei tovim, the poor of good families, are supporting themselves from it. And that's in the middle of the Beit Midash. So the Beit Midash is not just 
a um, it's not just a ritualistic center for um, carrying out sacrifices. It's it's not just for mitzvot bein adam la makom. It's not just for sacrifices to God. It's also mitzvot bein adam la chaveru. That is all for between man and man. That's also happening there. And then the Mishnah continues. Nishkata kelim. What about the chamber of utensils? Call me shehu mitnadev keli. Anybody who wanted to give a utensil as a gift would throw it in. Now we're getting more into temple administration. Once in 30 days, the treasurers would open it up. Any utensil they found in it, any vessel they found in it that was of use for the repair of the temple, they left there. So they'd leave it there for when they needed it. Obviously, they'd come back and collect it when they needed it. And all the rest they'd sell. And they'd sell the others and their value went to the chamber of the repair of the temple. So here, for example, here clearly we've got another chamber. This is clearly the storehouse where they stored money for the repair of the temple. So there were more than two chambers in the temple, but Somehow this Mishnah seems to focus just on these two. And these were two chambers where people would put in things that people would donate anonymously. They donate anonymously. And you know, much of the rest of the structure of the temple is, in, is, is driven by status and by wealth and by power. But these two chambers seem to be different. In addition to the two tables, and now we're going to go into a riff of counting of, and of enumeration in the temple. We're miles away now from the Shekalim, as well as the two chambers. There were some thirteens. Shloshasar Shofarot, Shloshasar Shulchanot, Shloshesre Hishtayavot, Hayubamikdash. There were in the temple 13 chests, and these are called shofarot, horns in Hebrew. We learned before that the chests were called horns because they were shaped like horns, like shofarot. So they were narrow at the top. So this is actually to do with the half shekel. So we are coming back to the half shekel, I apologize. They were narrow at the top, so you could put a shekel in, but you couldn't get a shekel out, and then they were broad at the bottom, a bit like a modern collecting box. Narrow at the top, broad at the bottom. Money went in, but it was hard to get it out. I presume that the, the treasurers had some way of getting out. So these were the 13 chests, the shofarot. But also there were 13 tables and 13 prostrations. And in the following Mishnayot, we'll learn exactly what these 13 chests and tables and prostrations were. So we'll come back and look at these in detail. But before we go and look at them in detail... We will hear one about one little incident. Shall bait Rabban Gamliel, Veshel bait Rabbi Hanania Skanakonim. Those are the household of Rabban Gamliel and of Rabbi Hanania. We've heard already, by the way, that people of Rabban Gamliel's house would behave in a slightly different way. So, for example, they wouldn't just put their half shekel in the chest, they'd go straight into the chamber of. Of, of the half shekels and give it they'd throw it in personally 
So we already know they behave differently. But they behave differently in terms of prostrations as well. They used to prostrate themselves 14 times. Where was the additional prostration? Opposite the woodshed or the wood storage yard. <laughs> they did this in front of the woodshed. Sheken Masoret Biyadam Avotehem Shisham Haaron Nignaz. Because they had a tradition from their forefathers that the ark, the Aaron, was hidden there. What's going on? Let's just carry on to the next Mishnah. And we will learn actually the Jerusalem Talmud as well. Because the Jerusalem Talmud has a slightly longer version of this story. It happened that a priest was working. It was different from the others. Actually, literally, it was different from its friends or its colleagues. Different mechavroteha. We'll come back to that word. He came and told to his colleague, to his friend. Before he had time to finish the matter, his soul departed. And they knew for certain that the ark was hidden there. So, what's going on? Well, the Jerusalem Talmud has a slightly longer version of this story. And I, I think it's worth looking at just to, uh, just to think about well, what the Mishnah is telling us about. And of course, we're seeing from here, by the way, very much the construction of the Mishnah. So there's an enormous amount of Tanaitic material, of material from the time of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah Nasi is an editor. And he, he squeezes into the Mishnah the material he thinks is important. He squeezes and he condenses and he chooses. So he's put a condensed version into our Mishnah, but the long version is quoted in the Talmud Yerushalmi, in the Jerusalem Talmud. The Rabbanani Amrim, then the rabbis say, The Ark Ark was hidden in, a sto- in, the, in the storage room of the wood, the woodshed. We're talking now, in, we're in the time of the first temple. So the Babylonians have overrun the city. They're going to take the city. And King Josiah hides the Aron Kodesh. This is the Aron in which the original tablets were held. I mean, there is a tradition that there were two Aronot, one for the whole tablets and one for the fragments I mean, others say that the fragments were actually kept in the Aron with the whole tablets. There was an Aron originally in which the tablets were held. And that was by tradition brought to Jerusalem. It was sitting in the middle of the first temple. And then it vanishes. Well, where did it go to? Well, some people have a tradition that, I mean, some people believe that the Babylonians carried off. But there was clearly a tradition that it was hidden. After the Babylonians took over the city or before the Babylonians took over the city, it's hidden somewhere, just as there's a tradition that the menorah in the second temple was hidden somewhere. Stefan Stefan Zweig wrote a beautiful book about this at the darkest time of the Holocaust about the hidden menorah. There's a tradition that the Aaron Kodesh was hidden somewhere. So 
The Jerusalem Talmud carries on with the story, which you'll recognize from our Mishnah. It happened once that there was a blemished Kohen. So this is a Kohen who can't serve. He can't serve on the altar. He can't sacrifice. But of course, he can carry out work that's related to sacrifices. So he's working on sorting out the wood that's going to be burnt on the altar. So there was a blemished Kohen. He was, he was splitting wood in the storage room. And he saw a flaw that was different from its others, from its friends. The flaw was different. He came and said to his friend, to his colleague, Come see this flaw which is different from the others. Before he had time to finish the matter, his soul departed. And then they knew for certain that there the ark was hidden. Tane, Rabbi Hoshaya. Rabbi Hoshaya said, He kish aleha bakunas. He hit it with a sledgehammer. Remember, what is this Kohen doing? He's standing there splitting wood. He hit, he sees this place where the ark is hidden. He hits it with a sledgehammer, with his hammer that, that's in his hand, fire comes out and burns him. Just as I suppose the fire came out and burnt the two sons of Aaron. It's as if the, it's almost as if the Mishnah or the, or the, the Gemara, the Jerusalem Talmud is telling us, look, there are certain things which are hidden, in the temple, but there are certain things that we just can't investigate too far. Maybe that Aaron Kodesh is hidden somewhere there. We can't go there. There are certain places where we just can't go. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.